This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to the Panel and Thin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadget. For all your kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. The 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the 153anglers.com. Now let's get this show started. What's up, everybody? Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to the, the Real Down. Hey, how dare you talk over me? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, dude? For everybody that's listening and not watching, you probably recognize that voice. We got Mr. Brian Schiller in the house. What up? Going on, dude? What's been up to? You know, just uh, living life in the woods. Uh, now that hunting season is almost over i'm getting amped up about next year's tournament season heck yeah i'm actually gonna take a swing at it again next year right yeah so hopefully uh i'll be a a guest not a host next season like every show you got so that's that's my goal i mean i'll bring you on it won't be for anything (laughs) but you can be a guest all you want to be I'm no, sure Brian, you're right. Brian's good. I think he'll he might surprise some folks. I think he'll we'll cash see. a few checks next year. We'll see. We'll see. It uh, might just be you... getting his entry feedback. But... Yeah, it's fine. It's better. I, hey, I'd rather I'd rather that than not get a check at all. So I'm good with Amen. that. I, I'm good with tenth tenth to like fifth place finishes. You know, consistency. <laughs> exactly. I don't have to be the best. I just can't be the worst. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, all right, for everybody tuning in, uh, I planned on taking the break a little early, but uh, the Tennessee Bass Nation, old Steve Owens, threw an event down there uh, to kick off their thing on Del Hollow on December 4th. Uh, we got the winners from that event. Uh, one of them has a really interesting story that I know of on how he caught them, and he's been a guest multiple times. And then we have uh, another guest coming in that I'm excited to talk about because he took that other person's money so without any further ado <laughs> mr tom kazmierski took the win from our buddy adam riser who usually just dominates us on del hollow but still second place i mean that's amazing it's nothing to shake a stick at at all what's up guys hey good evening good evening fellas happy to be here talking with you heck yeah well uh tom will let you go first uh Adam's been on with us a few times, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, you know how you got into kayak fishing. Uh, Jamie Coza at the dugout drugged me in it, kicking and screaming. He and I've been friends for a long time. Uh, you know, I'm a local to that area. Grew up in Kennesaw, so uh, I'm kind of known as one of the dugout guys where I live. So. I had uh, sold my my 
glass, my, my glitter boat is, I know kayak call guys call them now, but I sold it because of uh, life, just kids getting busy in sports and stuff. And, uh, my kids are getting old enough now to where they don't like that around as much. So, uh, Jamie's like, you need to get one of these kayaks, give this a run. And I'm like, no, sure. I'm game. I'll try anything once. Uh, so got into it that way. And, uh, I really enjoy it. I, I like, uh, you know, there's two aspects of kayak fishing. One's, you know, where it's kind of a, a group of guys kind of hanging out fishing. That part's cool, uh, similar to the the glitter boat world. But um, the other cool thing is, you know, you're out there by yourself, uh, just kind of taking it all in. Uh, it's kind of a different competition. Um, I used to always love partner tournaments because, you know, two guys in the boat high five and catching bass you know you get, it's kind of you got that you, know, you get to share it uh in kayak world it's all on you so it's your decisions uh your gut feel uh you know it's just making all the right decisions and and when it comes together it's it feels pretty good you know it's something you, you did, did it by yourself so um for sure um it's a it's a i, I enjoy it I, I love kayak fishing now what, what you know you put out great points for both do you have a favorite though or or if you don't have a favorite do you miss the boat side of it you know uh not really uh you know i was sitting around the dugout today talking with some of the guys that i boat fished with for years here on local lakes and um we were kind of talking about the boat scene um it's changed a lot uh at least here in georgia um you know, some of the best part of a boat tournament, which we don't get in kayak fishing. Um, it is something I miss a little maybe, uh, but the camaraderie at the boat ramp. So in a boat tournament, you got, you know, 50, 60, 70 boats showing up at a boat ramp. We're all razzing each other. You know, we're all, you know, making fun of each other. Somebody's got some funny story that happened with their kids, their wife, whatever, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. Um, that was some of my favorite part of, you know, just the camaraderie at the boat ramp, knowing everybody and kind of catching up, right? Um, you know, then obviously when you put your boat in the water, I mean, one of my big things was if I didn't feel butterflies in my stomach when we're sitting there waiting to blast off, you know, I'll quit. Uh, but in kayak world, I get the same feeling. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in a kayak and, you know, somebody's counting down, you know, some of the ramps I've been out, one of the guys will count down or something or say a prayer and I'm over there with my stomach and knots going, man, if I made the right decisions and my right <laughs> ramp, you know, you know, things like that. So, uh, but that's all part of the, I mean, that, that anxiety to me is, you know, that's the, the pump up the fun of the sport. So, um, and that's why I'll die, you know, younger than most, <laughs> that same reason. <laughs> if, if I go, I want to go in a kayak, having a heart attack, right at blast. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be, I'll finally catch a double digit and I'll have a heart attack and not get to enjoy it. I just hope someone's near me that can just land it and say that they caught it. Take it somebody get to take that glory. You know, I'll just be floating around face down, but it's cool. Yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we got Adam Riser too. He's, we, we've had Adam, I don't even know how many times we've had you on now, Adam. Uh, well, handful, on, for sure. Especially yeah. every Dale Hollow tournament. I think yeah, I right. have to have him on. He's out like there the on Dale his kayak, Hollow, dude. Like, <laughs> He can either 
be on because he did good, or he can give you a very technical breakdown of everything, which is a killer aspect that I love to have. Only thing that would make this show better is I could have Drew on here too, so him and Drew could go back because Drew pulls facts and stats out of his butt all the time. He does. I'm just like, oh. But uh, I'm sure that podcast would go about six hours. I'd let it. I'd just sit here too, (laughs) just staring at it. Probably wouldn't learn much. But uh, Adam, for for anybody who might be new to listening to Paddle and Finn that doesn't know who you are, tell everybody about yourself. Yeah, um, my name is Adam Reiser. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, been an active participant in uh, the kayak tournaments for years now. Uh, I don't know, five, six, seven years between the club and the and the national scene. And um, I don't know, I guess it was sometime last year, I jumped into guiding a little bit. So I've been doing that uh, in between tournament runs too. And uh, that's just it. If I can find an excuse to get out there and catch bass out of a kayak, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. And that's, that's the, the, uh, the summary of, of what I'm into. I, I just like catching bass from a kayak. Simple as that. Heck yeah. Love it. It's pretty good at it too. Well, um, since you are our resident Del Hollow expert, why don't you give everybody a breakdown of what this lake is, how it lays out? Sure, um, it's it's you know most famous for being a, a smallmouth world record lake. That's where the the standing uh, world record smallmouth comes out of uh, a long while ago. It's a deep clear reservoir that splits Kentucky and Tennessee. Um, it's famed for its of uh, smallmouth fishing, but due to the slot limit there, most boat tournaments will uh, uh, target largemouth. Um, but you can catch them uh, both species there really well. Uh, it's one of the most scenic lakes in the world. It's the number one houseboat lake in the world. So during the summer, it's a big recreation lake, but you can still catch them then. Um, depending on what day of the week you ask me, I might tell you it's my favorite lake. I, I really do enjoy <laughs> it there. Um, the, uh, you can, uh, I kind of think of it as kind of like the Babe Ruth of lakes. You, you, you're going to have a lot of strikeouts there, especially outside of the, the winter um but when you do hit it big there you seem to have a really big day i mean i can't tell you how many days where i've you know i'm not getting a bite not getting a bite then all of a sudden i just run into a, a cluster of fish and the, the both the large mouth and the small mouth mix together there often um so you just never know when you're going to just uh turn the corner there and run into a big group of fish and and, and have a great day and like i say as far as scenery goes you guys have been there you, you can uh, echo my sentiment it's about as good as it gets for scenery as well so uh it's uh, any excuse i can get to get out the del hollow i'm I'm, I'm gonna take it yeah it really is man we got to get a you know we've been there a few times paddle and finn you know as a whole and you know always have a great time and like you said the scenery is great but we got to dabble into that houseboat thing a little bit last year and you know that was you know we didn't even uh, leave dock with them but i can't I, i'm ready to hit the summer and have richard down there at eastport take us somewhere way off and just <laughs> leave us in that houseboat it might sink because yeah. I mean, we enjoyed it way too that much might be dangerous <laughs> <laughs> my my boss my boss a couple of years ago we did it on center hill but same thing we, he was able to rent us one of those big houseboats and a and a pontoon and a few jet skis and hey i i get it i get the appeal of why it's so popular to do during the warm season. It's a lot of fun to get out there on the lake. And, uh, you know, it's big, deep, open, clear water, so you can kind of ham it up out there on whatever watercraft you're on, and it makes for a good time. I, I totally get it. Heck, yeah. Heck, yeah. I mean, you got to have something to take a break from fishing occasionally. Yeah. Adam's like, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, he's like, yeah, no. I did it for like 10 minutes, and then I, yeah, I got Small breaks. Very, very yeah. small breaks. <laughs> 
Well, uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, either one of you can take this. Tell us about what it's like fishing this imp- this particular lake in December. Because, you know, for a lot of people um, that don't take, you know, kayak fishing or tournament fishing too serious, you know, when you get towards the, the known winter months, that's when it, like, you know, cuts off for a lot of people. But there were, you know, I think it was 97 people show up for this. Uh, was it? Yeah, 97 yep. anglers showed up on, you know, first week of December for an event on Del Hollow. So, first off, what was the weather like? Because I know the weather's been flip-flopping down here in Alabama. So, what, what did that layout like? I'll, I'll go into the weather, and then I'll let Tom take uh, December in Del Hollow because he's got years and years and years of experience doing that. Um, the weather leading up to it was a little bit unseasonably warm, both the air temps and the water temps. Um, I felt like a little bit behind schedule. Do you think like the lake was a little behind schedule for this time of year, Tom? I, I definitely think so. Um, I like it was last year too, a little bit even. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so too. So that that was, I mean, you know, week before the tournament, I was out there messing around with Steve-O. We were getting him on top water, you know. So the the and, you know one of the guys that almost won this tournament was getting him right? on top water. So <laughs> wow. uh, in December, you know, um, that's crazy. Uh, so it, it was. Yeah, in my opinion, if you were fishing this tournament and knew a little bit about Del Hollow, like you had to approach it with a little bit of an open mind because it definitely wasn't quite winter. Um, there was some winter like mode fish, but there was plenty of fish that weren't quite in winter mode e- either. So I don't know. I guess we'll call that a tra- transition time. So warm, uh, unseasonably warm going into it, um, but there was still definitely some like winter patterns that that, that played out, but. Traditional December. Tom can tell you all about that. He's got a lot of time there during December. Well, tell us all about it, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I agree with Adam on the, you know, it seems like we're about a month month behind on weather. Um, you know, and, and I saw schooling fish uh, Thursday and Friday. And, uh, you know, December, January, which is typically when I go to Del Hollow, uh, and I don't understand people not wanting to fish in the winter because it's quiet, it's peaceful, and good Lord, they group up, and you can, some of the best days I've ever had in my life, and the biggest fish I've caught in my life, have come in the months of December and January, uh, especially for anybody who wants to catch a trophy spot. I mean, you know, that's that's when you go and catch it. I mean, that's just, that's your best odds, let's put it that way. Um, but December on Del Hollow, uh, typically, you know, I would like to see water temperatures more around 50 or less degrees. Uh, I think we were at 55, which was kind of getting close, but the fish are doing a lot of things, uh, with those water temperatures. Like I said, if I would have had top water, I I probably would have thrown it a little bit, uh, just to see, because I saw some activity that, you know, kind of, it's a small mouth. Who knows, man? They're they're a little feeding machines you know oh, a small mouth on top water is always fun so. yeah i can't imagine i don't know how i was gonna land it but you know the bite would be fun yeah um, <laughs> hard enough landing when i'm trying to stick a jig in his head but um <laughs> you know typically about now we're up there you know the trips i've made uh and i've, I've got a lot of history up there in the winter months uh we go there primarily to float and fly fish Mm. Uh, I've, I've done a ton of that. I did it in practice. Uh, I caught some big fish in practice doing it. Um, and I've caught a lot of big fish on a float and fly more so than any other lure I've thrown for smallmouth uh, up there. But, 
you know, it was funny when I was practicing, I was around a lot of bass boats because there was three bass boat tournaments uh, Saturday. There was two up the lake and then there was the, uh, the Billy Westmoreland, which is a smallmouth only tournament down the lake, um, which I didn't, I don't know if I saw any of those guys, but because uh, they have to catch overs. You know, mm. it's unlike us, they have to catch over 21 inches, which is it's a tough fish to catch. Um, I mean, that's that's a that's a trophy smallmouth, you know. That's but a, I, that's you a, know, that's definitely a weigh-in you want to be at though, because right, if somebody right. came in, it's a killer. They fish. did. <laughs> you know, um, I think uh, that one of the guys that won it had like seven or eight pounds, and that's one over and one under. So the under 16 inches, which you know, call it, you know, two two and a quarter pounds maybe. So that's a, yeah, that's a tank <laughs> over, right? Um, yeah, that, I mean, uh, but the uh, the interesting thing was the bass boats that were around me, they had to be from the other tournaments. Uh, and I looked at the the weights from those, actually, you know, they, some of those guys posted them uh, Monday, and it took over 20 pounds of largemouth to win those tournaments. Uh, and it was interesting because they were coming around me, you know, I was – I go up there to target smallmouth, uh, right or wrong, what it is. That that lake has such an impressive population of both fish. Um, it has some of the healthiest largemouth I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and obviously the smallmouth population is just flourishing. Um, you know, so, but I had guys fishing grass in front of me in say 15 to zero foot of water with punching basically in bass boats and I watched them rip largemouth out of it all day long. Um, and then I'm sitting out there in 30 foot of water, uh, fishing isolated structure, you know, on a flat trying to catch big smallmouth. Um, but I was, you know, I was sitting there going the whole time I'm watching this cause I've, I've watched Adam catch a lot of largemouth and I'm sitting there going, <laughs> Lord, I'm going to get my head kicked in. I got to get some bigger fish. Um, you know, cause it, well, that water temperature just sets up, I mean, 55 degree water for a smallmouth to me in my mind, you know, and I'm, I'm not a biologist. I don't know that species that well, other than Del Hollow and a few trips in the Carolinas that I've done to fish for them. But, uh, I feel like 55 degree water to a smallmouth is almost like, you know, that 60, 65 degree water for a large mouth. So, you know, that, I think that's why a lot of guys struggled, um, you know, because th there was guys catching them in 55, 60 foot of water. Uh, so it was kind of just open all over. Yeah, you could catch them yeah. just about however you wanted. You could. The, pro you know, the problem is, is, you know, that's, you know, when you show up to a lake, or at least when I show up to a lake, um, I'm hoping it's not like that, obviously. I, you want I it to want be that one or two things, and you want to be the only one that figures it out. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the unicorn, right? But, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, but the, the reality is, is when they're, when they're spread out like that, there's so many ways to catch them. Um, you know, something, I mean, I didn't hear anybody really talking about it, but Del Hollow is an amazing jerkbait lake. Hmm. Um, it's known for it. Uh, I mean, I know locals up there that catch stud smallmouth on jerkbaits. They talk about it all the time. Um, you know, and I didn't hear a single angler talking about a, a jerkbait bite anywhere you know and I, i'm gonna bash on steve-o but the guy that loves to throw a jerk bait the only thing he loves more than a jerk bait i think is a chatterbait but um 
Yeah. I'm not sure he takes anything else with him, to be honest. Maybe a top water occasionally. Right, but... Thank you. So, I, you know, I told him, I said, <laughs> man, I said, why don't you just go sling a jerk bait all day and see what happens? You know, just go try it. I mean, you love the dang bait. You got confidence in it. You know, I, I personally felt like, the, you know, the lake set up in this particular time to, if you had something you had a lot of confidence in and you, you worked at it, you could have possibly made it happen. Um, and you know, that goes for a guy that wanted to fish shallow versus deep. Uh, I think Adam and I, you know, he and I've kind of talked a lot about different techniques and I love sitting there talking to Adam cause he's, like you said, he, he digs in, man. It's, he takes things to the next level, you know, other than just, well, I'm doing this and this, but it was because of this, 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 and this, you know, it's, um, I, I like that too. I, you know, I'm a firm believer in electronics. I like using them. Uh, and I try to figure out how to, you know, if I'm throwing something and I'm getting bit a little bit, I'll change up a little bit to try to see if I can get bit more. I do a lot of things to, you know, try to increase the percentages, but, um, you know, that typically the cold months up there, if that water temperature would be, get around 50 degrees, those fish will group, but those small mouth will start to group better. Uh, they will quit roaming as much as what they're doing right now. And you can truly blister them. Uh, I mean, I've had, you know, 30, 50, 60 fish days up there religiously. Um, that just like makes me know I suck. Like I appreciate no. it. <laughs> like, I'm sitting no, here no. like, God, you don't know what you're doing yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, no, it's not, you know, as good as Dale hollow is, uh, the, I think the first time we showed up there, I zeroed, uh, and this was probably, this may have been 20 years ago now, or at least 15 um and it was 10 of us and guys that knew what they were doing we all zeroed mm. and we came in like who's whose idea was this you know i mean yeah. we're staying at horse creek and you know we're sitting there in a cabin at night you know basically trying to drink our sorrows away because it was so bad <laughs> uh Been and then i started thinking about it i'm like man this lake's just like lake lanier screw this i'm tying on a bunch of jigs i'm going jig fishing i'm going fish ditches all day and uh, fortunately that year, the water temperature was like 48, 47 degrees. And I just went dragging a jig from basically 30 foot to 60 foot. And I started catching, when I found them, it was lights out. The guy in the back of the boat, he's like, oh my gosh, this is the best trip ever. You know, and I'm like, this is how it should be, you know, in the winter time. Um, so, I mean, that, that's typical of this time of year, but I mean, I say that, but the last two years, I think last year the water temperature was like 58, 59 degrees. And then this year it's 55. They were starting to get right. Um, you know, but it, it those smallmouth, I mean, I've, I've been there once. I think the air temperatures were like eight degrees. And at night it was getting down in the negatives. Uh, the water temperature was 42 degrees. I, uh, I was convinced we were not going to catch a fish. Because, uh, I mean, here in spotted bass and largemouth country, and like in Georgia, if that water temperature gets much below 47, even the spots get, I mean, they just bury up. It's near impossible to catch them. It, it sucks. Some of the toughest days of fishing you'll ever have uh, there. Not for me, because I'm not going out when it's 8 degrees. <laughs> See, that. Yeah, man, I tell people all the time, you're missing the boat, man. Wintertime fishing. <laughs> I'll, I'll fish in the 20s. Yeah. I don't know if I could do 8. Not in the south. Eight in the south sucks. Like I got some pictures of me in like a Russian hat that would uh, 
everybody would love <laughs> it was cold but uh you know that actual trip i think we were the water temperature was like between 42 and 44 uh we had 10 guys up there and after about a day uh i'm kind of known to throw a jig deep i went and found a bunch of places just holding just wads of them we were averaging per boat 60 to 80 smallmouth a day Jesus. Um, and it was stupid. I mean, I thought we were going to run out of baits. I mean, that's how, how crazy it was. Um, you know, it was, man, it was awesome. Um, so, but, you know, in these warmer temperatures, you know, I caught my fish. Uh, I caught my fish on a Kitek. Uh, I said 4.8, but it's the four inch Kitek. Um, I know the package. I never read yeah. more i just say oh that's the one but uh, i caught a lot of fish early on a four inch kitek um and it's typical of these smallmouth uh you know that when they're roaming like they do they'll definitely pull up those first couple of hours of low light and uh munch and if you can run into them you know unfortunately when they're scattered like that it's, it's a little bit of luck um i mean you're hitting i'm hitting what i think are high percentage areas but make it a now we're not going to this one. We're going over here today to eat, you know, but, um, I just threw, I threw that Kitek. I threw it on a half ounce head and, uh, just kind of banging around on, on the rock piles and I got on them quick and man, they were, I mean, it was just every cast for the first hour. Uh, that basically ended, felt like the bite had died. Uh, and I picked up a jig and went slinging a jig and it started out really good. And for some reason, like the area I was in and some of the other guys were saying it too. Um, you know, and after looking at the moon phase and stuff, it should have been prime, but, uh, I want to say like 11 30, 12 o'clock, which was almost a peak for that day, a peak feeding time. Um, it just died. I mean, I quit getting bit. I was like, good Lord, what's going on? Because, you know, to me, smallmouth and largemouth, you can go by those feeding charts almost a hundred percent like a spotted bass man they're just idiots they're yeah, you know they don't agree they don't live anywhere they just roam they don't care they eat when they run into it but i've i've seen i mean i've definitely seen it in largemouth and you know the experience that i have with smallmouth they're definitely very tuned in to that those feeding times and when i saw the day i was like oh my gosh we're gonna wreck them today this is gonna be a great day so, um, but you know, that's pretty much what I did. I, I meant to go throw a fly. Um, but uh, you know, the floating fly is a low light deal. You gotta, which we did have cloud cut. I was actually thinking, man, I could just go hit a couple of the steeper banks or some banks that are shaded and possibly still get a, get a big pull down. Um, but I, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to die by the jig and, and I had to pedal about three miles. So I stayed. <laughs> Stayed where I was. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Adam, I want to get your take on it because you were doing something from what I read completely different. <laughs> so, you know, give us how you, like kind of the way Tom did, how you normally approach it. And then, you know, when the weather and the temperatures are working like you've seen and then like how it worked out for you this time. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. 
So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Sure. Um, Leading up to the event, I don't know, about a week or week and a half prior, I went out there one day, met up with Steve Owens, and uh, was on a good topwater bite. Like, I actually had some some smallmouth. I'm pretty sure I had three on at once, which would have been a first for me, and they were literally ripping the hooks off of the topwater bait. So I was like, well, this is a good sign. And um, I thought it was going to cool down too much for that to uh, not be a factor come tournament day. But as we were just discussing, it stayed warm. So I was thinking like, man, if I go with the smallmouth, uh, if I go for smallmouth over largemouth, I was like, I-, I may just go all in on the topwater bite. And like I said, Thomas Davis um, only caught four fish that day. And if he would have caught a fifth one, they- he got them all out of basically the same group of fish. And I think we'd all agree if he would have got his fifth one, he would have won the tournament. So um, I thought if nothing else, I was like, well, that's cool to know that like, I, you know, I'm, I may have could have uh, pursued that and been on, on a correct path. But um, the, my, my plan was to practice Thursday, Friday and then tournament Saturday. So I practice on Thursday and I want to go ahead and check my largemouth spots where I won it last year. And I was—I just want to see if those fish are there. I thought it might be a little premature for them to to be where they were, but I go there and I start graphing it on this on Thursday, and I don't really see much. So I'm like, yeah, it's a little bit early, and I go check around some other stuff and uh, come back to that that large mouth spot, and um, I wanted there cranking last year, and I was able to crank up one. I was like, okay, maybe they're still here. I graphed a little bit more, and I thought I marked a few, so I was like, maybe they're here. It's just not quite as good as last year, and. Uh, on my way out on Thursday, before I was done, I dropped a, a blade bait down on some that were on the bottom where I was like, man, I, I couldn't get a bit cranking, but let's just see if these are bass and immediately caught one on the blade bait. So I was like, okay, may not be able to crank them up, but at least they're here. And when I, when I caught that one, it brought up a whole school of them and they were all the right size and a bunch of them. So I was like, all right, well, they're, they are here. It may not be quite as good, but when I say not quite as good, I mean, there's still probably a couple hundred fish off of a, a quarter mile stretch. So um, plenty of stuff for me to mess with. So I was going to stay the night 
at Del Hollow Thursday night, Friday night, and then fish Saturday, practicing Thursday and Friday. I was like, you know what? I'm all in on these largemouth. Um, instead of wasting gas money and, and staying money, I was like, I'm just going to drive home Thursday night, take it easy, re-rig on Friday, and go all in on those largemouth. And that's what I did. I, I just I, I re-rigged a lot of stuff that was uh, only for those largemouth. It was I tied up a whole bunch of different rods because I wasn't sure what was how I was going to catch them, but I knew they were there, so. I need to be prepared to uh, just fish open-minded and um, got there on Saturday. And uh, exactly like Tom said, the major that day was basically the last three hours of the tournament. So I was prepared to have the bite window being towards the end of the day and figured I could just do what I can up until then. It was the complete opposite. The first, uh, like the, the, my bite died sometime in the 9 a.m. hour, but it was fast and furious, like, early on so it went against what the the saloon or calendar was saying that day but uh yeah i couldn't get any cranking went went to the blade bait and that's what i caught 100 percent of my fish on probably caught 25 or 30 largemouth um probably had half a dozen we'll call it half a dozen schools of largemouth on this stretch so i would just work on one school of fish and when i was done with those i'd slide over to the other one and i just went back and forth on those half a dozen schools all day but like i said past nine or nine 30 it was near impossible to get a bite i tried a few other things but the blade bait had to be my thing and the, the i thought it was fun because i put it out there that i was using a three-foot ice fishing rod and the reason for that was uh <laughs> last year i was in my bonafide and the transducer in the bonafide sits basically if i extend my feet out in my kayak the transducer is at the end of my feet so if i take a six and a half foot rod and I'm vertical fishing, video game fishing. That transducer in my, where my lure is is basically staying in the cone on those. I fish right beside uh, Tom on Shatuk. He's seen how how I did that on uh, with a bonafide last year. And then I got my Hobie this year, and the transducer is basically right where my butt is. It's right behind me. And so it, trying to get a lure staying still in that cone with the, not just drifting in the cone, but staying in the cone was impossible and so i was like what do i this is going back to you know january february of this year so i was like maybe i should just buy an ice fishing rod and <laughs> i was like maybe that'll keep it in the cone better so i ordered a 30 dollar ice fishing rod you know off the internet and never used them before i've never ice fished i don't know anything about that i don't even know what power to use or like how to fight or anything so i just took one of my standard spinning reels and shoved it on the uh the three foot ice fishing rod and sure enough it kept it right in that cone just fine so come the time for this del hollow tournament i was like well it looks like the best way to get after these fish is to just drop on them and they didn't want a demiki rig so i just went to a blade bait you could just whether you jigged it off the bottom or jigged it above them you know if they were active you jig it above them and if they were inactive you had to lift it off the bottom but that was my day just it was still i probably looked silly out there like a little bitty rod jigging up and down, but I, I wish. Did you did you record the tournament? Because I, know you've been I, I recorded. That. No, I recorded the whole thing, and then when I got home to check my footage, I have four minutes of footage of me launching at the ramp, and that's it. So I lost the Go footage, uh, or else yeah, you water, oh, or else I probably would have already put it up there, like a goofy <laughs> image of me like trying to fight a fat large mouth on a three foot rod out so of the that, kayak. That was my next question was what does a three foot ice rod look like with a 19 inch, possibly three, three and a half pound large mouth on it? I mean, it's, it's not pretty, but this... he's an ice fisherman. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's pretty. Gonna it, be like, it was the best scenario because these large mouth were so thick 
And these specific largemouth were already full on in winter mode. The ones that were belly to the bottom had mud stuck to them, were pale white, like oh, they had wow. already been wintering for a while. Oh, wow. um, but luckily they were so like in winter mode, therefore lethargic that they didn't fight too much. I mean, yeah, they put a little bit of drag, but you know, I'm, it's Del Hollow. It's just deep, wide open water. So, you know, I didn't have to worry about them bearing up in anything. So I just, you know, let them pull a little bit of a drag and uh, just made sure since, you know, using a, a blade bait's notorious for not having a high landing ratio, um, big piece of metal with treble hooks. And so um, I just made it a point that when I saw that they were about to come to the surface to have that net ready, I may only get one good scoop or one good shot to to land before you know one head shake may be the demise of that fish but um that's why i feel okay with the second place finish because i fished clean i landed every fish that i that i needed to land that day so you know tom absolutely won this one fair and square it's not like i had that one uh, uh fall on my lap or anything like that but yeah kind of i wasn't uh, going to this tournament thinking i was going to use the ice rod for it but it, it made sense to come tournament day and it uh it actually worked quite well well, my man, what you got to do next time is trade in the hummingbird for a vexlar. I mean, that's uh, if <laughs> you're going to vertical jig, that's the way to do it. <laughs> I do. I, I when I when I do this or when I video game fish, it's the closest thing to using like the, the forward facing stuff because I'll use the amplitude scope, the A scope. Yeah, and yeah. it it pretty much looks like you're getting a live read off of that. And that makes all the difference in the world having that versus just like you know standard two D. You I get by with that, but. Um, that a scope lets me uh I, that's why i was picky about keeping that lure in, in the cone because i could read the mood of these fish and see like yeah. you know uh, sometimes keeping that lure dead still versus the tiniest little movement makes makes the difference between a bite or not so that a scope allowed me to uh really feel out the mood of those fish and, and, and get a few extra bites i think it's the same in ice fishing, man. Like it, it I mean, sure. I know you don't yeah. ice fish, but it, it really is. Like Jimmy saw it firsthand last or earlier this year. I mean, you can definitely tell the mood, like it, especially through the ice, because if they're coming shooting up off the bottom, exactly, like you know they're ready to chomp. You know, and get bit. you have times too where you can see those fish come up and they look at it and they go down when you move that bait, but or or just like a slight little quiver of it you know sometimes that ignites them to uh chomp down a bit so it's I, fun I, I isn't relate, it dude. i think it's fun dude ice so, fishing, something i had like is you could chase them with it sometimes yeah like, ice you, fishing you get is that lull where you didn't get one and you'd have one come and he'd start to fade away and i just drop it down on top of them they just turn around and grab it yeah and it's it, it's crazy to me like he's talking about the vexlar for anybody that doesn't know what a vexlar is it's like as old school as it gets for electronics you've just got colored lines going back and forth the when they turn red and yellow on the bottom that's fish you can watch your bait fall down and then you can watch the little red dots follow it up <laughs> and it's the most freaking awesome thing in the world and then i think about guys like adam doing this on you're still running hummingbird stuff aren't you yeah yeah and then guys live scope and i 100 percent now understand the fun of that because if you can get on them like that oh yeah man and like and then you did it on an ice rod like I just can't. Yeah. I've seen a what a kayak, bluegill, a bluegill does though. to an ice rod. Yeah, no, it is genius. <laughs> it, it, it's it's very clever, man. Like that's that's what I say is thinking outside of the box. You know, just uh, you you knew you had a mission and you you knew a, you had a bite and you knew you had to utilize your electronics for that. So it was like 
how do I capitalize on this situation? And, you know, I think a lot of people would have, wouldn't have realized that, you know, that's huge. It, it's just a, it's a, it's a vertical bite where I've noticed it on Del Hollow more than anything. Like you, I'll see it on some of those herring legs with the spots too, but um, you have to keep it dead steel. Like it, it, it just has to be still some time for, for you to get that bite or to, before you can fool that fish and then mess with it. So uh, being able to do that and not have it pendulum, even just a, a foot or two, if I was using a standard rod, there'd still be a little bit of a pendulum with that lure. That can make all the difference in the world. I've seen that difference. Um, I've seen guys succeed in tournaments on Del Hall where others haven't because of a subtlety like that when that Demiki rig bites on. And uh, it, it, I just felt it was worth the while. You know, I, when I bought that ice rod, I was like, what am I doing? I was like, is this, is this like, <laughs> is this silly? Like, what, you know, should, am I wasting my money and time and doing this? But, you know. And now he's bought it a nice rod yeah. box. I'm, you I'm know. ordering one right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, hey, I had a buddy today that was messaging me, and I think he ordered one tonight, too, because of that. So hey, Send me that Amazon you know, leaf. <laughs> yeah, right. It's funny you talk about it because it, uh, the two, um, you know, and I, I mean, I've, I was only about a year and a half into kayak fishing. Hadn't really done a winter in a kayak yet. But uh, when Adam and I were on Chatug last year, we were we were close to each other, and um, I, we were kind of doing a very similar fishing, you know, of video game fishing, uh, but for spotted bass. And they were not wanting to bite. Uh, you know, every once in a while you get them fired up and you catch them pretty good. But I was sitting there with a spinning rod basically almost straight up and down because i knew the transducer sitting under my dang butt you know and i'm like god dog it man i you know i can't you know and i got pan optics and everything else i mean i could have backed off of them and done things like that but it is something about putting it right on top of their head and uh you know when you get ultra cold or or just i mean it, it's funny you talk about the clay bellies because i've i've caught spots on kiwi out of 80 foot of water with clay caked on their bellies and everybody's like what are you talking about and i'm like that's crazy i'm telling you man and, and it's you know you you have to zoom in on your scope and you're looking at, you know on your whatever graph you're using but you know then you use your zoom so you can see the bottom and all you're seeing is like little bumps and uh you know there, there's a lot of times you look at those bumps and maybe they're not fish but uh i've also had it produce a lot in those those conditions of ultra cold or, or fish that have just gone into that mode of you know their winter haunt of you know it's almost like a hibernation yeah i realized uh, that i need to pay you two guys but in drop shot we used to use uh yeah we used to we would take basically the stiffest worm we could find and cut it down to three inches uh so it wouldn't have any movement when it's just sitting there and you think about like robo worms and things like that, you know, they're like a spaghetti noodle, you know, right. uh, but in that scenario where those fish just really aren't aggressive, they're not really probably looking to even eat, you know, they're, they're just in winter mode. Uh, we would take like the hardest worm we could find and cut them into little three inch sections and put them on a drop shot. And then our, our leader would be, you know, six inches off the bottom with a half ounce weight just sitting there holding it, you know, dead still, trying not to move it. And they would just load up on it. It was, it was crazy. Huh. Speaking just because of, you know, Demiki rig and blade bait, both I've heard over and over again about people talking about, you know, like you and Adam are saying perfectly still, perfectly still. Do you have any like, like tricks or tips for that? Like, do you kind of rest it in your lap so that 
do you know you're still or do you try to try to like hold it in that perfect to keep it countering the motion of the boat what or do you one like, one little tip that i've learned that i've still try to practice and it's easier said than done but i've seen it make a difference is uh if you know if you're dropping all day whether it's with a drop shot or demiki ray or whatever if you're doing vertical fishing and it's like up down up down line twist becomes a, a, a an issue and uh, some it's kind of unavoidable and you know using nicer line will help help your case but it's pretty common for me if that's what i'm doing most of the day i have to straighten out that line twist but the reason i, I bring that to attention is um i know demiki rig fishing um not only do you need to hold it still like going up and down vertically in the in the water column if you have line twist and your bait is spinning mm. um that can deter a bite and i've seen that deter a bite on del hollow so just having your lure not twist one way or the other um can, can make a big difference too but if you think about it there's probably not too many shad just you know spiraling on an axis you know and, and, and one thing of water but you know uh i just ordered some Demiki road cooks the other day that have a swivel um as part of the, like the line tie thing to hopefully avoid that because if you do it all day like you're gonna have some line twists but that's one thing that i try to practice that uh, i've seen my buddies have good days on the same day that i'm on the water with them i think it's because of that line twist thing that's an extra like specific detail but i do think it matters 100 what about you tom you got any tricks uh you know i i do i do think line twist are a big deal um you know i haven't now i've thrown the blade bait a bunch uh i i you know kind of like adam I, when they're lethargic it works out uh smallmouth and blade baits for me don't work out because those jokers come straight to the top and sling the dang thing uh i i've almost sworn them off unless i'm just trying to goof off um you know uh but the demiki rig is not something i've really done a lot of uh i kind of do a my version of a demiki rig um and people laugh at me all the time but I drop shot with one ounce and a half ounce weights. Uh, even even in the summertime, uh, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, why you're in 15 foot of water? I'm like, you know, back before live scope, uh, you know, if you saw a fish on the graph, I wanted to put it on his head as quick as possible. Uh, that, that was, that's always been my theory. You know, guys are buying quarter ounce weights and stuff like that, when it down to them. And I'm like, no. I mean, I'm looking at the fish. I just want to get there. Um, and you start fishing in, you know, 50, 60 foot of water or whatever. Uh, I I don't even own a quarter ounce drop shot weight. Um, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like I said, everything I have is, you know, half ounce or heavier. Uh, I prefer to use a half. I, I think I can get most done with it, but I will go up to an ounce. If, you know, kayak's different for me. I've... I mean, good Lord, stabilizing the boat and not moving all over the dang place and trying to stay in position. It's a, it's a booger. Um, but the, you know, the, I guess the thing I do with drop shots, you know, when it gets in the, the cool months and I know those fish are holding tight to the bottom like that. I mean, I literally go to, you know, a three to four, maybe five inch liter off my weight. I mean, I, I get it tight to the bottom. Um, mm -hmm. I always feel like I can pull it up into them if I need, you know, if that fish happens to pop across my screen, that's 
active, I can pull it up to it. Just spin it, yeah. But so, uh, I, I keep it tight. Drop, drop shot's the only vertical technique I've ever really... I mean, I've you know jigged a spoon and stuff like that. Yeah. In the slow aspect of what we're talking about. I've always thought, you know, heavier drop shot weights. I've done a little search and hadn't found any. So I'd love to know like who you're using, but correct me if I'm wrong. It gets it down there fast, but it's also when being still is so critical. I mean, oh, that's, yeah, it's it holding it still. Yep. And uh, I, I learned a short leader trick from listening to the, the you know, uh, the tactical bassing guys. Like they, they were big on, you know, cold water, real short leader. And like, I was always taught uh, from uh, an old man that, you know, also believed that was he ties the leader as long as whatever bait he's using as like a rule of thumb. So like if you use a four inch, four yeah. inch, whatever it's four inch leader. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. What, what drop shot weights are you using? You know, here lately, whatever anybody has. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stuff. um you know, I, at the dugout, they had uh, uh, Picasso's got them. I use Picasso's. Uh, I prefer to use Picasso's if I can. Those guys are my friends, uh, Dan and them. So uh, I do I do try to use theirs, and they've always kind of been on the forefront of tungsten. Uh, but um, Eagle Claw, I think it's Eagle Claw or Bullet Weight. I think it, maybe it's Bullet Weight. It's one, it's one of the brands you actually wouldn't expect, but they make a – I don't think it's 100% tungsten, but a, a tungsten version of a drop shot weight. And uh, so I use those. Uh, I typically have plenty of the Picasso, um, but that's, they have the heavier drop shot weights. I, uh, golly, I was, I was drop shot a long time ago here. Uh, I did an article here in Georgia in the Georgia Outdoor News about drop shotting with uh, Picasso guys back then. And I, I told him, I was like, we need heavier weights. You know, <laughs> we need this. Uh, and, uh, I went out to California and got to drop shot on a lake. Golly, it's probably back in like 2000, uh, 2001. And we hadn't heard of it out here or I hadn't. What uh, lake? Uh, golly, I don't remember what the name of that lake was. I am not sure. It was a, it wasn't like a, a famous lake by any means, but we caught some, we caught a bunch of fish, you know, uh, it wasn't a, I don't, I guess it wasn't one of the trophy, it wasn't one of those lakes where they're catching all those hammers. It may have been, shoot, I don't know, but they weren't in there then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they showed me the technique and I, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to try this when I get home. And uh, I went to Altoona with it, which is known as the Dead Sea. Uh, it is, it's a tough lake. Um, and me and my partner went up there and basically, man, we, we signed up for every tournament that came. Up. Were y'all some of the first ones to drop shot on Altoona? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure that was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, until I did that stupid article, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think I was like uh, 20, 28, 29 years old. And I was, I won that whole thing of fame. Right. Uh, yeah. Bad yeah, idea. And gave it away and was like, Oh God, it's stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, we did it there, and then uh, it was funny back then. Zoom uh, was running. They used to have make a bait called a meathead. Uh, I think they still make them, but uh, they made a version for Japan 
that was an inch shorter. And uh, it was in natural, uh, natural light, which was not a common color for uh, a meathead to begin with. Um, and uh, they had them in a closeout bin at Bass Pro one day. And I actually thought they were the normal meathead, but I was so impressed by the color. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen this color. I bought all they had. And we didn't know about robo worms really much, anything then either. We were buying like people's worms and there was a lot of hand poor guys still yeah. doing real well. And that's who we were buying our worms from. Uh, I was buying Benny's magic worms. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of those, but it heard was, of those, heard yeah. of it was an impressive one. <laughs> guy, that guy's, I, you know, he made some cool stuff. Um, uh, super soft. Oh my gosh. You know, just like, it was like putting grape jelly on a hook. Yeah. Um, but the the me head that they made was typical zoom you know a lot of salt stiff not a lot of movement and uh, we went up to kiwi and that's where uh, me and my partner won a really big tournament up there drop shot in 80 foot of water and uh, we came in our live well was like just mud you know (laughs) i don't know if you've ever heard of kiwi or been on it but it is gin clear uh you can see stumps at like 20 foot of depth it's amazing and everybody was like well we know where you boys have been because you know we had i think we had like 18 pounds of spots five five fish and our live well was pure mud they all thought we had ran up to the uh, dam up where the you know the water's coming in where the water's a little more dirty yeah. i was like all these fish came with inside of this ramp and they're like there's no way and they started weighing our fish in and you know they had clay caked up under their fins and i, I think that's the first time i'd ever saw that actually it's funny here i mean i talked to a lot of people that have never seen it and Here's Adam saying, oh, they had clay on them. <laughs> but uh, it's crazy. I, you know, I guess when they hibernate, they, they just sit in that mud bank and kind of chill out or whatever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jeez. That's that's just crazy to think about. That whole, that entire part of the conversation. Like, I'm trying to, like, wrap my, my head around it. So just to keep me more confused, on the blade bait side of it, Adam, like, what's your go-to blade bait? I was using the Demiki is it the vault. I think it's called the Mickey vault. Um, yeah, I've been using that one for a few years now. Like when I first started going to Del Hollow, I went ahead and, you know, I, I knew that lake had a reputation for a blade bait. And so I grabbed a few, grabbed the, the Mickey one and, uh, it's been good. I will change the hooks out on it. Um, but that one's really good. They all work. I haven't used one that hasn't worked there. I mean, it really is like, when, when I think of Del Hollow, I, I think of a blade bait. Like, you know, you think of like maybe a 6XD on the Tennessee River ledges, you know, certain, you know, throwing a trap down at Rayburn or Seminole or something like that. Like a blade bait goes hand in hand with Del Hollow. So uh, that's that's why it's nothing for me to put it out there. I caught it on a blade bait. That ain't no news by any means. But I do like that Demiki one. And uh, it's some, some of those fish, like the, the real active ones, like you said, would shoot off the bottom, like, you had to keep it above their heads and then the ones that were inactive you had to you know get it all the way to the bottom and work them a little bit more uh, that way but uh yeah it wasn't so much the, the the color or 
anything like that. They just wanted that vibration of the blade bait as opposed to the the dead still traditional Demiki rig. Um, I don't know that I tried anything else just because I felt like that if I if I could get them to go on the vertical style that the the, uh, the blade bait was getting it done just as good as anything. So. In retrospect, I may have tried to throw like a little small swim bait down there on some of those same fish to try to get a call because last year I had a few more bigger bites than I was getting this year, but uh, I still feel pretty confident that was about as best a bet as I, as I had on, on catching some. I just caught too many of them in and saw how they reacted to it that I just couldn't put it down. Like it was, they were into it for the most part. Oh, no, I I feel you. When, when something's working, like one side of my head is like, okay, this is doing this, but it's not catching that larger class. You know what to do. But then I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. I just want to keep catching <laughs> yeah. fish. Yeah. So, and like, like you said, man, y'all did great. You know, Tom, you ended up with a win uh, with 93 and three quarter and Adam, uh, you were right behind him with 92 and three quarter. And we talked about your, you know, your big large mouth. Tom had a literal football, 20 inch smallie <laughs> that at first glance almost looked like a carp. Like I had to look at it like, what? Like it's so chunky. And that's, you know, I haven't caught any good small, small mouth on Del Hollow. It It's on the list. Every time we come down there, it's kind of like a, we take a break and a hangout and we focus on hanging out more than fishing. And we usually just <laughs> limit ourselves to wherever we parked our truck, like at the cabin. So we fish right around Eastport, but I'm, I'm looking forward to getting down there and really trying because it's, you know, hearing, hearing you, Tom, talk about how, you know, winter is the time that you're looking oh. for your big fish. I, I know that, uh, especially, you know, being friends with you, Riser, and I just haven't, like, given myself some time to, to do it. But I definitely wanted to make a winter trip down there just to try something completely outside of my norm. Because I, I saw, I, I saw and heard so many anglers from this event. Like, they, they were converted, you know, they... Their, their eyes were open to what Del Hollow can be, even if they didn't get a limit or all it takes is like catching a couple of those big brown fish and realizing like, oh, there's yeah. endless amounts of these fish in here. And I'm telling you, you get one good lights out day on Del Hollow and it'll become your favorite place. Like it's it's it really is special. Um, and I know that hurts the guys that have really struggled there and had multiple bad days there. But I promise you, it's it's, it's a lake that's worth uh putting in the time like even if you got to strike out a little bit you're, you're gonna hit a big home run there uh one, one day like i say it, it might be my favorite lake i don't know so I'm, I'm i'm with you it's probably one of my favorite lakes and uh it was kind of interesting to hear a lot of guys talking you know that at the uh check-in there were a lot of pb yes caught. i mean a lot there were so many guys you know whether they caught it in the tournament or up leading up to it Yep. Um, I know so many guys I spoke with that, man, I caught a 19 and three quarter. I caught a 20 or, you know, and, and I mean, that's a big small mouth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know what a keeper is there, but a, a 20 inch small mouth. I mean, you know, they're four, four and a half pounds. I mean, they're, they're thick. They're, you know, God, they're awesome. they get airborne. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, every single one of them is a good fight too, man. It's, oh, yeah. you know, looking at the numbers right here, I mean, there were, Let's see. There were ninety-seven people. Seventy-five people caught at least one. If you look at it, I bet you eighty percent, if not ninety percent, of the people that fished caught at least one eighteen-inch fish, whether that be small or large. I mean, there were great, <laughs> and like you said, uh, with uh, Thomas Davis, he had tenth uh, place with four fish 
I mean, one more quality fish and we might be having a different, you know, guest on here. His practice and his tournament, he said he didn't catch one under 18 inches. That's nuts. Well, uh, one last, uh, yeah. One last thing I wanted to hit on, uh, because obviously electronics is key in in how you're doing this. I'm sure you could, you, I know I'm lying. You probably couldn't just go out there and fall on top of them doing what you're doing. So, uh, we've kind of talked about, you know, the electronics you're running, what would be just a general piece of information or help that you would give anybody listening that's, you know, having trouble understanding their electronics or just anything, you know, a, a tip like, that you've learned, you know, vertical fishing on your electronics, just anything, either one of y'all would want to add to it. I'd say like something that I would, what, what I try to teach a lot of my clients is, uh, set your depth range to a fixed amount to where it doesn't automatically, like if you run up shallow, it doesn't automatically adjust to a, a shallower range. Like if you're not going to be fishing any deeper than 50 foot, just go ahead and set it at 50 foot. And uh, that, that way you're, you're I don't know, almost like your aspect ratio when you go from deep, shallow, shallow to deep um, will remain constant and allow you to make sense of uh, anything that you mark, be it structure or fish a little bit better that way. And then uh, no matter what brand you're using, mess around with your sensitivity and your contrast. Those are going to be like your two main things to, uh, and luckily most of these units, their factory settings are pretty spot on. You can kind of just turn it on and it's good to go. But sensitivity, contrast, and then setting uh, your depth to a fixed range. Those are excellent starting points um, if you're trying to wrap your mind around uh, graphing, deeper fishing. You know, I've heard from a, a friend we both share uh, from Trey Johnson. Uh, me and Trey were talking at the shop up at Music City one day, and we're talking about you and electronics, and he said that y'all went fishing at his boat one day. He said he was, like, standing up on the front getting ready and looked back, and you're over there on his graph. Yeah. And he's like, and then when I sat back down, my stuff has never been that clear and able to read. <laughs> he's like, I ain't touched my settings since. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's good, good information. Tom, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, you know, I think the same way with 2D. Uh, you know, one of the things I think Adam touched on earlier, uh, if you turn on that ampl- that scope, uh, it, it is almost like forward-facing. You know, it's you're seeing what's coming into your beam before it actually gets there. Uh, I used to use that trick a lot. I, I run Garmin now. Um, I will say that I, I feel like the units that are coming off the shelf basically this year, uh, man, they're so far advanced. The the clarity, everything we're seeing on them. I mean, I I go back to the days of well, I, I go back to the days of a flasher, black and white flasher, not even color. So, um, <laughs> you, you want to try to catch fish, use a flasher one time. Um, oh, yeah, we used to do it a lot there. Um, but uh, you know, these graphs now, a lot of them. I think a lot of it guys getting out there and having confidence um seeing some things on their graph and actually having uh, good things happen when they see those things right uh there's so many times that people lose faith in their graph because they're like well you know or some, some people can't tell brush from fish or you know what fish look like when they're in brush i think those are things where you know if you'll just kind of pay attention to it you know sometimes like a kayak's actually pretty easy because I mean you're pedaling around or paddling around or whatever looking at a graph I mean you get to start looking at things and when you're pre-fishing play around with the things you see and start learning what those <laughs> things are 
you know, by either dropping a line on it or, you know, make a couple of cat. I know it seems like a lot, right. But, you know, it's kind of like how I picked Dale hollow apart. You know, the, the whole lake looks so daggum good, but I look for key little pieces of structure. So I spend a lot of time pedaling and in a bass boat, that's hard. You know, you're sitting there going, I can go 75 miles an hour. I can idle all day. You know, I'm yeah. going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm going to pin my ears back a little bit. I enjoy it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, in a kayak, I'm forced to watch side imaging. You know, I've gone down banks that I had no idea stuff was there, even on Dale. And I've got a lot of time up there and I'm like, good Lord, look at that. You know, um, but if you if if you'll catch some fish on a graph and kind of pay attention to it when you're fishing a little bit, I think you know confidence is key and uh, learning. You know, I think a lot of guys don't have confidence in their graph. There's so many, you know I always hear what's your settings stuff like that, and I'm like, man, you pull these things out of the box. They've pretty much perfected this stuff. If you think your settings are messed up, you you know, maybe you just need to pay attention a little more to your graph and, and watch things and get some confidence in what it's showing you. Um, I mean, a kayak's the perfect world. Our transducers aren't, you know, buried up in a hole of a fiberglass boat or anything like that. They're sitting there exposed in the water. You're getting the best possible scenario of a graph that you could get. Um, you know, I use pan optics. Um, I'm, trying to learn it it's uh i see beautiful images online and i know i've i've experienced those beautiful images so I, I do know they exist but uh it's a tough technology i've been reading a lot about it but uh that's the other thing you can do is kind of read you know about you know 2d sonar um i still use it every time i fish it's the one thing that is constant on my graph uh I never take it off. It's, I mean, it's, it's what I call the D liar, you know? Um, I just, I, I think if guys spent the time to learn it a little better and, you know, just like I said, when you're out there fun fishing, if you see something, I mean, you're in a kayak, just slow down a little bit, throw on it and drag around on it and see what it is. I know so many guys that don't know what a brush pile looks like. Every time they see a brush pile, they're like, Oh my God, look at that group of fish. Like, that's yeah. not, it's brushed. See, that's yeah. something I had a humming, hummingbird was the first unit I ran and it was a few years ago and I had tons of trouble. I could never get it to show up clear. No, it wasn't a mega unit. I actually think it was before mega units. All right. um, but I could never get that crisp, clean picture that I could literally go to somebody else's boat with the same unit and see. And I went to Ray Marine like you said i went to an element nine and right out of the box you know it was perfect i haven't changed anything but i change up the colors a little bit but right you know and, and, del, right? And, and del hollow holds a, a special place in my heart that's the first place i've got to use it and catch fish in deep water seeing it on a graph you know first time i've had side imaging and really put it all together i was coming down one of the creeks and it was like 25 30 foot deep and i ran over a brush pile that was very obvious very obvious that it had fish on it then you right. can glance at the side and know exactly how far away it was and i threw right on top of it and caught a fish and i mean that was that aha moment like finally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then i would like to take it further you know like i love my ray marine unit you know it's it's great but i i feel like just for me i think hummingbird's picture is just like the mega units and the 360 imaging looks just so incredible that now that I've 
kind of know it a little better. I'd, I'd like to, you know, buy one and have Adam set it up basically. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, you know, I've used a lot of different graphs. Uh, I've run Humminbird, I've run Lawrence, and uh, uh, now I'm Garmin. Uh, it's funny. One of the, the biggest things I notice in, in guys with graphs, because um, I, I I've been in a lot of boats. I get in, you know, different people's boats and stuff fishing and, you know, you'd see a different graph and, uh, the Humminbird guys all want to see that Amber screen, you know, on side imaging, uh, Lawrence originally would have like a different color and everybody's like, Oh, that's not clear. And I'm like, it's just as clear as yours. You just want to see that. And I would, I would hit Amber and they'd all go, Oh yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's it. I'm like, you know, perception's nine tenths of the law, you know? I think but, that's the whole reason I don't use amber is because that's what everybody likes. I, I'm one of those people. Like I turn mine to like green, blue. I just swap well, it up completely. You know the guys in uh, Panoptics world, they're all using like this green and blue, and I look at them like God, that was like crap, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't use it. Uh, but it's a lot of that stuff's you know like side imaging to me and the forward facing imaging definitely seems to be find a color palette that you like and have confidence in. Um, and there's, you know, appeasing to, you know, what you're wanting to see. Um, when well, I first, everybody's eyes see color different too. So that's, that's yeah, you know, you 100%. gotta play with it in my opinion, because I mean, like to me, the Amber color doesn't, it, it's not, I would, I don't know what the right word would be like attractive to my eyes, I guess. I, I, I find myself a lot of the time, like really like squinting and trying. And then, if, you know, I changed it to a very bright green and everything just pops to me. So I, I can just glance and, you know, I don't have to really that, focus on it. That's a popular color palette in like any of the videos you see with like, to me, like right now I've been watching a lot of Garmin and it well, and some uh, 360 imaging. And it seems like a lot, a lot of people that green seems to uh, do it for a lot of people on the, you know, whether the brightness and the pop and the contrast of what they're seeing is so, but yeah, it's, you know, I, there's, you know, these graphs now, I mean, good Lord. I mean, I, we use papers at one point. I mean, I, <laughs> I remember the old paper maps, man, yeah. the books yeah. per yeah. state or, you know, half the state. Yeah. You know, the worst thing is when you run out of paper, Yeah, <laughs> it's like a printer. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You got That's an extra awesome. roll? Yeah, and you're sitting there in a tournament trying to put a roll of paper in the grass? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's real stuff. I, I love to hear about where it came from, but I'm glad we're where we are. But, you know, <laughs> And then I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk to you guys that have been through it, and that's why y'all are as good as y'all are. I don't know what Brian's excuse is, but you know, Tom, Tom's been there and done it all and still on top of his game. I, I think Ryan's. Uh, I mean, I think Ryan. I think Adam's uh, one of those guys that tinkers a lot. So uh, he's he's got a him, lot of stuff dialed in. Him and and Russ are two people that you know love talking to him. But I prepare myself if I ask any kind of question. Like when we were all at Lake Fork together, I slipped up and asked Russ one question about a jerk bait, and he. And, <laughs> 15 minutes my face was like melted from the information that i just took in just like i didn't know what i was getting into apparently never mind i don't want to throw a jerk bait <laughs> like <laughs> and adam's the same way man he'll you know just talking with you adam you've we, you've called me when i've been on the water we talking about 
you know, places we're going to fish. And he can talk you through little things that you might just have missed, just like little bitty teeny pieces of information. And that's you guys need to do a uh, podcast. We need to do one, Adam, on uh, buzz baits. Yeah, I'd be all about that. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do it right now because it'll make me miss. You know, I, don't, I can't pick up a buzz bait for months and months. So <laughs> right. it may hurt me to do it right now. Too I don't much, know. You, but... you, I'm not so sure you couldn't have thrown one this past weekend. Oh, I'm. I'm. Pre- I don't care. Even though we just had like cold weather come through, I'm still pretty convinced you could at least get a smallmouth topwater bite on the haul right now. Like, yeah. it's crazy as that sounds i think they'd still go for it oh i know what i'm doing this weekend i'm making a trip <laughs> I'm, I'm coming to nashville saturday anyway so i might as well just bring my boat All right. and just keep driving so adam's guide service is open for business if you want so to book my an there you go thank you brian <laughs> <laughs> a little shameless plug there well uh we've kept y'all for a little over an hour man i i appreciate it so much y'all coming to uh to tell us about this uh and we really got into it on this you know like like I said, going into it, winter fishing gets overlooked by so many people, especially if they're new coming into it, you know, didn't grow up, you know, bass fishing or fishing at all. So uh, I appreciate y'all having so much insight on everything and especially on Del Hollow. Y'all both sound like you have, you know, killer history there. Um, but we like to let everybody thank, you know, whoever makes fishing, you know, easy for them or any sponsors you have before we go. So, uh, Adam, if you want to go ahead and take it away, who, who makes it good for you? Sure. Uh, congrats again to Tom. Tom, I've got the uh, text on my phone to prove this, but uh, people were reaching out to him before the tournament being like, hey, you going to win it? Or, you know, what's it like out there? And I'm like, I got to I got to beat Tom Kazmierski first. Like, I've, I've, <laughs> you know, when I saw when I saw that you put up uh, on the dugout monthly, those fish from practice, I was like, well, I for sure like Tom's fish are back there again. So I was like, I still got to beat this guy. And, I was like, man, I'll just go all on a large map. But it's been fun, Tom, uh, going up against you this year, like in these handful of events, man. It's, uh, oh, yeah. it's making me want to fish hard and, and fish better, too. And I got a lot of respect for you and your history of bass fishing. So that's been fun. Um, thanks to uh, Dugout. Um, cool to uh, do the podcast with my Dugout teammate, Tom, here. Um, Dugout Dakota has been huge for me this year. Uh, the, those two have really been just big players for me. Um, I'll do a shameless plug and just say this is my favorite time of year to do those electronics guide trips whether it's uh around the national area or running out to del hollow so guys that want to get those graphs dialed in or just catch fish in general like holler at me there is no better time to uh you know gain a lot of ground on on uh, the electronics thing than during the winter like this when you don't have all the pleasure boaters and you know if you can just dress warm you can get out there and, and learn a lot in a hurry on that Adeline yeah, Finn that. supports that message. I appreciate it, man. I look forward to seeing you guys down there. It sounds like in the spring too. So I'll thank you guys as well. Heck yeah. Well, what about you, Tom? Who, who makes it good for you? Uh, you know, I'm, like, like I said, it's good. It's good to be here with a dugout teammate, but uh, you know, dugout bait and tackle, those guys take care of me. They're lifelong friends I've had. I grew up with most of those guys. Seagar. Uh, my favorite line, about the only line I throw now, have for years, um, you know, and then, uh, I, you know, I don't have any real sponsors other than that. I, uh, I like Dakota lithium batteries. They get me where I'm going. Uh, <laughs> I got a Newport power vessel on my kayak now that I love. Nice. Um, big fan of that little motor. Um, man, is that thing's a little workhorse and, uh, I've been asking everybody that's running it. What's your battery set up for that? So, um, and I'm going to change. Um, but my battery setup right now is currently 212 volt. 
uh, 54 amp hour Dakota lithiums. I will say this. Uh, I was running in practice probably eight to nine miles uh, wide open trying to kill it. And I was still coming in with half battery life. Wow. Yeah. And the only thing I don't like about my setup right now is I'm also running my graphs off one of those batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just heads up to people out there. This this is a known thing in basketball boat world, and I am smarter than this. Uh, but 24 volt batteries from Dakota right now are a little hard to come by, but, um, you definitely need separate batteries, uh, because, uh, you get interference and, and you don't get to see when you're zooming around all the graphing that I could be doing. It's a lot hard. I have to slow way down to do it. And technically when you're side imaging, you know, like two to three miles an hour is a really good speed. So you got eight to nine miles and you're running panoptics. You know, 100%. I know crazy. everything. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. And, yeah. And people that don't, that don't know Garmin or Panoptics, uh, it is a battery hog. It'll, Oh yeah. Yeah. Man, that thing's sucking some juice, man. Um, you know, but I, I plan on changing that. Jamie and I were actually talking about it, uh, yesterday. I was like, I said, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta fix this. This is, uh, not the way I want it. I want it run. I want to be able to have my graphs and stuff separate. Uh, but I'll tell you, you know, before we go here, man, big thanks to Steve and Daniel, Steve Owens. Yes. And good Lord. And I know Adam feels the same way. These guys put a lot, man, they have a lot of heart. Uh, you know, they want big things for the anglers. These guys are like selfless people out there just trying to do great things for the sport of kayak fishing. Uh, and coming from the boater world, I've seen, I've seen people do this before tournament directors have that kind of heart uh, and make big things out of trails. Um, so, you know, I've man, what those guys did and the sponsors, they've been able to go and gather up and uh, you know, it makes it to where everybody kind of gets to walk away with something or has a good chance of walking away with something. Uh, I mean, a lot of guys walked away with SLX rods from the dugout. Uh, I think Dakota lithium, gave away a couple of batteries. Ned bait gave away a pile of like really cool baits. Some of the NHT series, the NTH series, like the crush worms and stuff, which if you want to play around with the drop shot, that worm's smoking hot. Um, you know, uh, trying to think of who, you know, Carl Black's doing like a huge pot of money for the big fish. Uh, Newport's giving away a motor, I think at the end of the year or something in AOI. I mean, they're, just check out all the sponsors and what they're doing. Uh, I mean, obviously it's, to me, it's a big deal. Um, you know, Seaguar gave away, golly, I don't know. There was probably 10 or 15 spools of line given away, you know, and Steve you know, has a way he has his way with sponsors and he does, you know, man. I, mean, I asked the guy, I said, you got a job or is this it? I mean, how much, is yeah. that? you know, and he's not getting paid anything. Right. I mean, so, you know, I mean, tournament directors that go out there and do that kind of stuff, man, you know, and I think the cool thing is, is like when, um, something I've seen in kayak fishing that I really like, uh, unfortunately I didn't double dip. I wish I would have, but, um, you know, these kind of like a a local club or whatever it is, kind of scheduling an event on the same date or there's two events kind of running simultaneously to where the anglers can double dip 
And I, I think it tightens up the community and bringing in more anglers together, you know, guys that uh, I've never met, got to meet and hang out with, uh, you know, make some new friends and stuff like that. I mean, at the end of the day, man, you know, I, I still got a day job. I'm not making a living at this. So I take a lot of value in meeting cool people uh, like Adam. Uh, now I'm getting to meet you guys. Uh, Adam and I hung out down at Seminole at Hobie. Um, I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. And kind of, kind of makes the, it makes it fun, even on the tough days. <laughs> For sure. Well, again, guys, we appreciate you coming on. I think, I think we've killed it on this episode. You know, I'm sure we could get into even more cause I still have so many <laughs> questions on Del Hollow, but that might be, you know, we're, this is our last show before the break. So we're going to get to recording some stuff. So, you know, uh, we may be hitting you guys up for, for an additional show for something, you know, along the lines of, you know, vertical fishing or graphing or whatever, but, uh, we do appreciate you. And just like always, you know, big shout out to everybody that makes kayak fishing so great. Like y'all said, and, uh, congrats again for a killer event and we will, I'm sure we'll see y'all soon. Uh, I, I guarantee to see these two names at the top of a list somewhere, but, Absolutely. uh, we appreciate it, guys, awesome. and we'll catch up with you, you know, soon, hopefully. Thanks All so right. much, y'all. Hey, See thank you, guys. All right. Love having those guys on, man. That was way more Hammers. informational than I was ready for, but very, very excited about it. Well, yeah. uh, we kind of hit on it just for a second. Uh, Brian, uh, you ready to talk about us going back to uh, Del Hollow yet? Yeah, we'll be there uh, beginning of April. Um we're going to have a tournament again, two days, uh, Saturday, Sunday, I believe that's April 2nd and 3rd, correct? Yeah. First weekend of April, I'm pretty sure. And, and then, uh, uh, we're doing the little joint event with the, uh, central Tennessee kayak anglers, CTKA. Um, he's kind of been fishing around with the schedule to make it not overlap any of the other, cause Tennessee's got like 12 clubs. Right. So right, right. It, uh, he did his best to help pick a date where none of that overlapping is going to happen so that uh, hopefully we can start, you know, pumping the info out on this and get all these Tennessee clubs to show up and just have a complete slugfest at Del Hollow in April. And I guarantee you we'll see these two guys we just had on here at that. So, yeah, and it'll be an open event. Up. It'll be an open event, too. So if you're not even from Tennessee and you want to come down, um, you know, it's... Uh, I know some of the Georgia boys that were down last year want to come back up. Um, and a few of the Illinois guys that had turned out, you know, awesome days. Same with the Ohio guys. So I know I've been getting messages nonstop about, hey, are we going back to Dale Hollow, Eastport Same. Marina? Um, we're working with them again. So we'll have the beautiful venue that we had last year. Um, I know we're already working on some some bonus items which we gave a ton of stuff away last year down there as well i know adam uh one he took a kayak and uh he ended up doing the old switcheroo with the other guy that took second because he wanted the f10 the other guy wanted the f12 um <laughs> so yeah so i mean we gave away three kayaks last year um so i'm sure um there's going to be a kayak or two up for grabs and man it'll like be that. worth it that's all you gotta say we'll have some you know great support from our sponsors eastport always does a great job taking care of everybody uh you know uh the the barn if you 
you know you didn't get to hang out with us last year you can go back and look at the pictures the 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 little venue up there is just freaking awesome real 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 way way too classy for us but very very nice yeah we got the we got the date set uh we're starting to hammer out all the fine details um you know i know last year like we had live music we had dinner saturday night um which the folks down there at the restaurant at the marina did a phenomenal job i know i thought i was gonna have a heart attack going back to the house because i ate so much <laughs> like i mean just just a great great time beautiful venue awesome food awesome people uh all the anglers that come out um you know had an awesome time and that, like i said everybody's asking me is this happening again and Obviously, the answer is yes. We said it, we were going to do it again. So, um, you know, for those listening, I'd say just be on the lookout for the details. Um, they're getting hammered out, but the the actual dates of uh, second and third, um, you know, are definitely set in stone. Um, now it's just a matter of you know format things like that and uh, entry fees, blah 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 blah. You know, all the five hundred dollar entry fees. i won't even fish it at that point yeah yeah i mean at that point you might as well write a check to adam riser and just hand it oh yeah you pump it up him and tom are gonna show up so yeah right they'll just they'll just split the money yeah exactly 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 so no it'll be fun man um looking forward to it i'm sure uh by the time we come back from break we'll have all the info hammered out and you know we could talk about it um on the show here for sure yeah we'll uh we'll we'll definitely once we get the rest of the details hammered out you'll start seeing a graphic you know made up we'll share the heck out of it yep. you know we're i'm gonna challenge my buddy that runs ctk to just make the state at least make his state show up for it so you'll be seeing that a lot once we get it out but uh yeah that's it man you got anything else b no man uh just uh I know during the break, we're still going to have a few OG live shows on Thursdays. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I know we're going to do like a special Christmas episode the week, week of Christmas that Thursday. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, I think that's basically it. Well, heck yeah. Well, uh, we'll see everybody. Oh, Lord. When are, when is our coming back? Uh, the first week of January. So your next show will be january 5th going live we'll see you january 5th everybody take us out brian peace out girl scouts <laughs> <laughs> and that's the new closer for the real day yeah there you go <laughs> good night everybody see thanks ya. for tuning in to another killer episode on paddle and fin don't forget to go check out our website at paddle the letter n in fin.com don't forget to check out the youtube channel at paddle and fin if you got a question comment want to hear from a future guest on a future episode feel free to email us at paddle the letter n in fin at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on social media at paddle and fin on facebook and instagram shout out to our show supporters angler the angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to 